The following podcast contains explicit language and movie spoilers. You've been warned. No, seriously, there, there's spoilers and, and foul language. Yeah. Welcome to $20 Ticket, where we tell you how much we would pay to watch Bumblebee. My name is Kerwin, and joining me today is Jason. What's up, Jason? What's up, Kerwin? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, what are you drinking today? Uh, I'm drinking an ultra light beer. Cool. I like that. Sounds uh, very, very delicious. It's refreshing. What nice. time is it right now? Uh, it is 11.34 a.m. Interesting. <laughs> it's noon somewhere. And uh, for those of you who have been listening and recognize that voice, that is Mugga. What's up, Muggs? What's up, man? I'm good. What are you drinking today? So it's really early. So I have a Powerade Zero, the blue kind. If you ever get a chance, it's the best. Okay. But yeah, hydrating. Powerade, you know, throw us some cash if you can. There you go. Also joining us today is Bling, making his return. What's up, Bling? Hey, what's going on? Uh, you know, just chilling. Uh, what are you drinking today? I'm drinking a hot caramel macchiato from Starbucks. You said a lot of things I didn't understand. <laughs> okay. But I'm pretty <laughs> sure it tastes good. Today we're reviewing Bumblebee, released December 21st, 2018, produced by De Bonaventura Pictures, AllSpark Pictures, and Tencent Pictures, distributed by Paramount Pictures. It stars Haley Steinfeld, John Cena, George Lendenborg Jr., John Ortiz, Jason Drucker, Pamela Adlon, Angela Bassett, Justin Theroux, Peter Cullen, and Dylan O'Brien. It's directed by Travis Knight, who directed Kubo and the Two Strings, and written by Christina Hodson, who wrote the upcoming DC Comics film Birds of Prey, and is currently, I believe, writing the upcoming Batgirl movie. The year is 1987. Teenage automobile enthusiast Charlie has always wanted a car of her own and on her 18th birthday brings home an old Volkswagen that turns out to be much more than meets the eye, an Autobot soldier from the planet Cybertron who's lost his memory. Naming the robot Bumblebee, the two develop a close friendship and must team up to stop a potential Decepticon invasion from reaching planet Earth. Before we get into behind the scenes, Mugga, why don't you hit us with the financials? So you had mentioned before that this movie comes out 12-21-18. I just want to put on the record that today is 12-16. We actually got a private screening of this. So financially, I don't really have how much it's making because it's not really out, you know? Um, I do have how much it cost, though. It did cost $102 million to make, which ranks us the cheapest out of any of the Transformer movies to this date. I have everything from opening weekends as far as all the other ones. We'll see how this does. I'm willing to bet it's going to be good, but uh, it is the cheapest. It only costs 102. The second cheapest was the original Transformers, which is 151. And then they went up from there with the last night being around $217 million. But uh, but yeah, this only costs $102 million to make. Is there any projections of what they think it's going to make? Um, I don't have anything like that, okay. but I would assume because of the last night's failure. I mean, I, I did make money, but about half of what all the other ones do. I think they're trying to get to that billion dollar mark worldwide because I think that's how much oh, the so other ones almost times. made. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, So if you look at Dark Moon and Age of Extinction, they both made over a billion, 1.1 billion for the Dark Moon and then for the Age of Extinction, 1.1 billion. Um, Revenge of the Fallen brought home around 837 million and their first Transformers about 780. Eight million, so we'll see. They got better, but the last night only made six hundred and two, which I think was a cause of her concern for the the studio and all that, which is why they went in a different direction that they did with Bumblebee. Mm -hmm. But this one only cost one hundred and two million dollars to make, which I thought was really cool. I wonder if it's because they only used the three Transformers as opposed to a whole like mess of them, you know. But 
I don't know the CGI. I, w- I would imagine, but yeah, I mean, only so 102 if, if million. If it makes a half a million, I think that's pretty good for returns then, right? Half a billion, you mean? Yeah, half a billion. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. You, but I, I think they're going in a different direction, which they explain, and I think they're trying to get to that billion-dollar mark. That's what okay, they want to yeah. do. Yeah. It hasn't actually come out yet. Karun, how are we able to see a private screening of it? I mean, it's not a private screening. I'm sorry, just an opening for Amazon Prime members. So Paramount was doing pre-release screenings across the U.S. for Bumblebee on uh, December 8th. It was available to the public to go see. This year, we're kind of seeing a lot of that happen. You were able to see Bumblebee two weeks before release. You were able to see Aquaman a week before release. You are able to see Into the Spider-Verse two weeks before release. So I think pre-release is becoming a thing now. And I think it usually has to do with studios being a little more confident in their properties. So, but, but they, I, I mean, I would have thought we never get, we didn't get like a survey or anything or anything like that. So what is the point of them doing this? I think, I think it's just, they got our money, but I'm just saying, yeah, I think it's just to generate good buzz. I think when a studio is confident in their film, they will allow audiences to see it and get that reaction out early. Typically, studios try to kind of change the narrative as far as what people feel about it by putting embargoes on film so that you can't you can't read a review until the day it's out. Right. Or they won't even screen it for the press at times if they don't feel too confident in it. I think letting people see the movie, you know, one to two to three weeks early really is a sign that the studio's a lot more confident in whatever film they're releasing. Okay, so yeah, it's technically not out yet, but yeah, we got an early showing of it, so no box office numbers for it yet, but it did cost 102 million, so yeah. the cheapest. Yeah, and that, that theater we went to was sold out. Oh yeah. Yeah, both oh, screenings yeah. were sold out, so I'm assuming they're gonna make a lot of money, and people people seem to really like it. If, if I had to bet, I would think that this gets upwards towards the billion dollar mark. I don't know if it goes over that, we'll see what happens, but I would have to, if I had to bet, I would think it gets, does definitely do better than the last night. <laughs> But we'll see. I think it's the character choice too. Like they mm-hmm. pick someone that you know, audiences from every single everyone s- likes everyone yeah. likes this this character. So I think that's going to help. But from a Rotten Tomato standpoint, again, the movie's not ha- hasn't been released yet. But with 42 reviews, it's sitting at 98 mm. percent from the critics, which I think is pretty good. Wow. Yeah. But I don't know if this is a true like is it really 98 percent or is it way better than the last Transformer movie that came out? So people are just like, oh, it's, it's refreshing to see something that is different. It takes place in a different time period it's a different director do you think people are more happy with that and you know disappointed from the last one so they're, they're happy to see us or is it really a, na- a true 98 percent? what do you guys think so the thing for anybody that isn't too familiar with rotten tomatoes when you see a percentage the percentage just means that 98 percent of people that reviewed it liked it it doesn't exactly get into their particular score for it. Mm-hmm. So when you look at the percentage on RottenTomatoes.com, look underneath the percentage for the average rating. So 98% of people that reviewed this movie enjoyed it, gave it a positive review, but the average score that it was given at the moment, today, um, December 16th, as we're recording, is 7.5 out of 10. So most reviewers gave it around, you know, like a C plus, B minus type score, but Overall, 98% of them liked it. And I think a lot of people get Rotten Tomatoes twisted. They think that a 98 means it's it's an A. Right. When that's not really the case. 98% just means that 98% of the people that reviewed it enjoyed it or thought it was good. How good? You need to you need to kind of, you know, read a little more into that yourselves as moviegoers. But 98% just means that of all the people that have reviewed it at the time, 98% of them thought it was good. Yeah, because when you look at Rotten Tomatoes, usually 
if you look in the comments, they'll, the, some of the critics that review, they'll say they'll give it a fresh rating or they'll give it a, like a rotten tomato. And that kind of gives you where they lean towards being you know, more on the favorable side or kind of like where it's not as good. So that's something I look at too when I look at rotten tomato. So you guys think that next weekend when this actually comes out, that score is going to be obviously changing a lot. I mean, it's not going to be at the 98 and we'll get more of a score. Or do you think that because it's so early, that's why you're kind of seeing the 98. I'm, I'm kind of confused. I think when when the movie comes out, you're definitely going to see the score change. Like when you look at Guardians of the Galaxy, Guardians of the Galaxy, when that came out, had 100%, I believe, for like a week straight. And then it eventually dipped because more people saw it, which means right. you had more varying opinions. <clears throat> more people kind of came out and said that they didn't like it. So the score dropped a little bit. My estimation is that Bumblebee will probably hover around like 91 or 88 or something. Yeah, yeah. okay. Fair enough. Cool. All right, so get into behind the scenes. At some point in time, I think after Age of Extinction, which was the fourth Transformers movie, Paramount put together a Transformers writer's room with different creatives in the film industry to develop ideas for Transformers shared universe, kind of similar to what Marvel was doing. They were encouraged to explore the Transformers mythology and, quote, let their imaginations run wild. And as a result, we got Bumblebee, which I think, you know, a lot of people have come out liking. And we got Transformers the last night because uh, people were allowed to do whatever they wanted. Some members of the writer's room were Akiva Goldsman, who actually wrote A Beautiful Mind and won an Oscar for Best Adapted Screenplay, as well as Cinderella Man. But he also wrote Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. We also have Lorenzo Di Bonaventura, who produced Constantine, Shooter, all the other Transformers films, both G.I. Joe films and The Meg, he was also part of this writer's room. We've got Steven Spielberg involved, Michael Bay was involved, as well as Ken Nolan, who wrote Black Hawk Down and Only the Brave, Geneva robertson Dwarette, who wrote Tomb Raider, the 2018 version, and wrote Captain Marvel, and we've got Andrew Barr and Gabriel Ferrari, who wrote Ant-Man and the Wasp. So those are some of the people that were involved in this writer's room. During Bumblebee's very early development, Michael Bay stated in an interview that one of the concepts the writer's room had come up with was an R-rated Quentin Tarantino-styled Bumblebee film. Really? Yeah. (laughs) That was the first mention of Bumblebee. Uh, Michael Bay said they wanted to do an R-rated Tarantino-style film. For Bumblebee? For Bumblebee. Wow. I would never have thought that. I don't think that would have... Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't even know how to respond to that. (laughs) I don't know know how you take a... A franchise that's based upon a toy and make it R-rated. I don't think that's the direction you'd want to go with it. Unless it's a sex toy. I don't know. But <laughs> Jesus. You gotta edit that out. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that was that was the first mention of Bumblebee. Uh, luckily that changed. And since the last night was released, uh, you know, basically, Muggy, you said they didn't make a lot of return on that. Uh, they shut down the writer's room. Oh, wow. After last night was released. So, uh you know, my personal opinion, thank goodness for that. Um, well, if they did this, say the key to Transformers is to change. <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> so they did definitely go in a different direction. Um, if this movie reminds you of a Steven Spielberg film, it's because the original concept and direction for this film came from Steven Spielberg himself, with Steven Spielberg taking a more active and hands-on approach, being a producer than he had in the previous Transformers film. Uh, both Bay, Michael Bay, and Spielberg were producers on this movie, with Travis Knight being a huge Spielberg fan. He took a lot of influence from movies, particularly E.T., and he got a ton of uh, he got a ton of advice from Michael Bay during production. One of Michael Bay's biggest pieces of advice was protect the movie, remember the movie you intended to make, and protect it. 
because he was going to have Hasbro and the studio and execs pulling him in all different directions. Pretty much, he had a lot of protection from Bay and Spielberg to kind of focus on character and not sort of cater to the to the toy buying base. When you read that, that it was very similar to E.T., like thinking back to watching the movie, can't you picture a lot of that, those similarities? I mean, I don't know, just from, you know, E.T. coming to the planet and then Elliot hiding E.T., you know, from the family. Oh, I didn't even and then, put that together. Yeah. You know, you know, E.T. kind of gets loose, wrecks havoc on the house a little bit, kind of yeah. like how Bumblebee snuck through from the garage and wreaked havoc on the house. I mean, even, even as small as some of the interaction between Bumblebee and the dog, you know, E.T. and the dog had some inter- It's really weird. There's lots of similarities from E.T. to this, and I think that a lot of people are going to pick up on this, but I think it's a lot to do with Spielberg maybe producing as well as being a huge influence of Travis Knight. I don't know what you guys think about that. but No, I think I think you're exactly right. Like, he, he said in an interview that E.T., I guess, was one of his earliest movie-going experiences, and he said... Travis Knight's? Yeah, Travis okay. Knight's, yeah. And he said it just really affected him. And you could see a lot of the love for, for Spielberg films in this movie... It takes place in the 80s. You've got Aliens. It's a coming-of-age movie. So there's there's definitely a lot of influence. Yeah. Yeah, I think this movie, since it takes place in the late 80s, I think, and this movie does it It's a very lot. well known it takes place it in the 80s, 80s. Yeah, right? they, they pay a lot of homage to some of the 80s elements, and I think that also adds to it that, hey, you know what? E.T. came out in the 80s as well. So I think that's just paying homage to the, the movies at that time. And um, taking over for Michael Bay, um, Travis Knight realized he couldn't go bigger. I mean, after all the other previous Transformers films. Well, and I I would not want him to go bigger. Like, I mean, I wanted to see, I don't know, an actual movie, you know, but not just a bunch of explosions, which I don't know. I thought that's what he did. Yeah. And that's exactly what he focused on. He even says in an interview, he wanted to focus on the core characters and the emotions that the characters are going through, because if that stuff doesn't work, none of the other stuff matters. It's just eye candy. Well, I thought Jason, you also said that the original Transformers with Shia LaBeouf, I always say his name wrong. Is that how you say it? It was originally supposed to be about a boy in his car, right? Which they really got away from on a lot of certain levels, especially on the movies after that, which this one I thought is a about a girl in the car. I really thought you could see the relationship, the connection. I mean, they're hugging at one point, you know, and I I don't know. And I kind of liked it. It was a great story. Yeah, I think think they kind of lost their way in their first one. Like, you know, it's the first Transformers, like, live action movie. I know they had the the cartoon one back in the 80s. Summer blockbuster. Yeah, and, like, people were excited to see it, but we're excited to see Transformers. We're not excited to see Shia LaBeouf half the time. And, you know, interaction between the parents and Megan Fox half naked. Like, we went to go see Transformers. (laughs) And so, I mean, I like Megan Fox half naked, but, you know, I went to go see, you know, Transformers, you know, in a live action film. Not as much as Tom Cruise. (laughs) How is Megan Fox's physique? Yeah, on on a scale of one to Tom Cruise, how is Megan Fox's physique on a scale of one to Tom Cruise? Uh, I don't think she's quite... You know, Mission Impossible One, Jason's but she's maybe. Right now. <laughs> I, you guys bring this up every time. Oh, it's never going away. Oh my god. Anyway, though, but I think that they really try to get back to that relationship between you know whoever the the, the child and their car. So I think that they do a good job of that in this one, kind of trying to do it right. I guess this time. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you guys felt that way too. I feel like it was a lot more about you know Bumblebee. Like right. We saw a lot more Transformer. It was different than the first one. Oh yeah. But I think we got more of what they were aiming for in the first Transformer movie. So I appreciate that a lot. Kind of, kind of, I guess, cutting the fat, if you will, like the explosions and, right. you know, the unnecessary eye candy that you see that really don't help the story along. The director actually comes from animation. He has a background in animation. And he says in an interview that his being an animator brought a lot of discipline to his first live action film 
where in animation you can't just you know overshoot and shoot extra and all that other stuff. You have to have everything pre-planned, mapped out. Get it right. Exactly. You have to get it right before before you make the final product. So he kind of brought a lot of that uh, with Bumblebee, whereas a lot of the sequences were mapped out, a lot of the storytelling was streamlined, and they just got right to it. They had a very clear focus uh, as far as what they wanted to do. Him being an animator, once again, this is his first live action film, and it's only his second directorial role. So the only other film he's directed was a stop motion animation film called Kubo and the Two Strings that actually got nominated for Best Animated Feature at the Oscars, I believe, in 2016 or 17. Um, He has a lot of experience with that and a lot of experience uh, developing character. That movie is also very focused on like coming of age, character, family relationships and all that. He actually started out in animation doing work on uh, television shows like the PJs, uh, among others. And he's currently the CEO of the Leica Animation Studio. Leica produced other animated features like Coraline, The Box Trolls, Paranorman, as well as Kubo and the Two Strings. I think Box Trolls actually got nominated for an Oscar as well. So this guy's got a got a pretty good resume. It's something that has nothing to do with the movie, but do you know who his dad is? Yeah, the CEO of uh, Nike yeah, founder. Phil Knight. Yeah, yeah did we Phil already Knight. talk about that? I oh, thought no, that was kind of no. cool. And it was like, he was always known as the Nike's creator's son. I think this kind of gave him, hey, no, I got my own thing going on. Mm, I, th- yeah. I thought that was really something that we should talk about because... I thought he did a great job. If this is literally his first action film, like I thought it was great. Yeah, I like the way the direction they they decided to go with a new director. I think that's the direction that a lot what of What would have been like if Michael Bay directed this? See, that's the problem. You, when we you didn't see one American flag. <laughs> we didn't see one. This I don't think there's any slow motion. There's no slow motion, yeah. So I think that's, that's great that they went with a new director because then you don't get going to the movie with these preconceived notions like what to expect. See, I, I went into it thinking it was going to be exactly the same, so I'm glad it was in the direction it went. One thing that I found was uh, Charlie's mom, played by Pamela Adlon. I think that's how you pronounce her name. Um, it was kind of interesting. Uh I knew I recognized her when we were watching this movie, but uh, she is a huge voice for a lot of cartoons. She actually was, she won a t- 2002 Emmy for playing one of the characters on King of the Hill. She was in Bobby's World, Rugrats. Oh. Oh. And the one I remember from, the only thing she's wow. really done as, um, she's done a ton of cartoons. Like if you look up on, on Wikipedia, she has done so many cartoons, I could have filled up a whole page with everything. She's mm-hmm. done so much, but I don't know if you guys have ever seen Louie. She's actually Louie's girlfriend. On the FX show, Louie. Oh, yeah. So I knew I'd recognize her from somewhere, but I just, I saw that, thought that was kind of interesting. Well, Haley Steinfeld, the girl, right? I I thought it was Spielberg's idea to actually have a girl in it, wasn't it? Uh, That's what I had read. And I mean, she she was also an Oscar nominee for True Grit. Do you guys know that? Yeah, that's a good movie. I think that was her first movie that she had done was True Grit. She was, I don't think she won. She was nominated, but I also heard she's a singer and one of her songs, I couldn't tell you what song it was, but it's actually in the movies from what I read. She had like a single that's actually in the movie, but I thought that was kind of cool. I mean, they actually had some talent in this movie then piggybacking off the mom's character and all that. But. Yeah, she's like, she's a really good actress too. Like, I, um, I thought she did a great job, yeah. yeah. If anybody listening has uh, never seen a movie called Edge of 17, uh, she does a really, really good job in that film. Go check it out. Yeah. I mean, other behind the scenes, I think that the fact that they went in the direction of the Bumblebee itself, mm-hmm. I heard that was a big cause for concern. They were up in there, whether they go to that or they stick with the Camaro. I don't know if you guys' thoughts, I, I thought that they were like really concerned. How can this Bumblebee beetle be like such a bad ass character or whatnot? Well, like, I'm, I'm glad because after the movie... Uh, well, they did screen tests too. Yeah. And he said, we've done it screen tests and people actually appreciate that it is a Bumblebee as opposed to the Camaro that they would, which, I, spoiler, at the very end, I did like how they... 
showed the Camaro then again. But but I, I think that that was a big thing behind whether do we go with the Beetle or do we go back to the Camaro? Well, I, I don't know. I think I like I like the they went with the Beetle because people are familiar with the toys of the eighties, which I was a big fan of the toys. It was a Bumblebee was a Beetle. Yeah. So they kept true to like staying with what the character was in Gen One and Gen Two for Transformers. So I But when you go back and watch the cartoon as well, I think they in the in Bumblebee in this movie that they kept truer to how they looked. Like as opposed yes. to Michael Bay, like his adaptation there's a lot of moving parts a lot of intricate you know machine kind of parts with bumblebee in this movie there's you know the arms the legs the you face you could tell it was a bumblebee you could tell it was a beetle when you transform into a now so i'm not big on the, the the actual cartoon the face or the mask that bumblebee had in this one does he have that in the actual cartoons no, cuz no. that was not in the original transformers no. with michael bay's right no, so they he, just he did have a mask yeah. he, he did have like the I, battle mask i don't mask. remember seeing yeah. it yeah, yeah. the yeah. battle there, mask was in, in the in the michael bay transformers yeah there's a part where megan fox is driving in the tow truck and bumblebee's on the back of it and the mask comes down oh you're right you're right you're right you do see it in the other yeah, but they then, really showed it in this one. Like it was oh, yeah. a big part of how he like fought and everything, right? Yeah. Yeah. The other thing too, during our screening, uh, post credits, there was like a short, like three minute behind the scenes, like mini documentary the that end, they yes. showed. And the director specifically said that one of the key things they wanted to do was get back to kind of the simplified look that the Transformers had, kind of the almost boxy look. They wanted to definitely retain a lot of the realism that the Michael Bay Transformers films had as far as how they transformed, but they wanted to cover a lot of that up with paneling and other things to kind of simplify the look, keep keep the Transformers singular colors so that they're easy to identify, give them faces so that you can actually see expressions and when they're talking, understand that they're talking and you don't see like mandibles. They have mouths and eyes that kind of emote a lot better than they did in previous films. Right. So let's get into our experience with this movie. Uh, our experience with this movie, you know, we said before, we got a pre-release screening on December 8th, two weeks before the movie's release. Um, just happened to see it online, bought the tickets, and we went. I think we had we all had a pretty good time, right? Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I did. I did not want to watch this at first. I'll be the first <laughs> to tell you. So because I never, I, I liked the original Transformers. I even kind of liked the second one. But when I was really excited for the trailer for Dark of the Moon, um, I, I thought this was going to be a great one. And I thought that all they did was go to Chicago and blow stuff up. You know, I really did not care for the story, nothing. The only thing I liked is that that girl, I think, was more attractive than uh, <laughs> oh, Megan Fox. It's the only thing I can give it to. Yeah. And then I tried, not in theaters, watching the one with Mark Wahlberg. And it was God awful. And then I didn't even try the last night. And you guys, come on, let's go watch Bumblebee. And on that day, before we watched it, and Jason was going to pick me up, I see a trailer and you see John Cena. And I had no idea John Cena. I'm just like, come on, this John is the same Cena. thing, you know? And so I did not want to watch this at all. But um, it was completely different. I actually like enjoyed going to it because of now that all the research I've done, you could see it on film. But but my first experience, I walked in with not of an open mind. I was really do not want to watch this at all. I don't know if you guys could tell, but yeah. <laughs> I was excited to see this movie. I think again, I don't I didn't watch the last night either. Um, I watched the other four films. You know, Mark Wahlberg was an interesting choice for the last one. I, I liked the first one a lot. Bumblebee is a is a good character. I, I'm glad that they chose Bumblebee for this standalone movie. I was excited to see it. When I watched the previews, it seemed like it was more geared towards children. I don't know if you guys kind of mm -hmm. felt that way, too. Mm. Um, the John Cena thing, too, kind of turned me off. I was like, I don't know if I really want to go see this with John Cena in it. But uh, I, I came out of theater enjoying it. Uh, had a good experience watching this movie. But, yeah, no, I, I, was, I was excited to see I would say I was excited to see this. 
So my experience with it was like, it was on preview night. So we, we go to the movie theater and movie starts at seven, but beforehand we decided to get some drinks. I'm like, okay, cool, you know, we'll get some drinks. You know, there's still trailers going on. We go into the theater and the movie already started. Like there was no trailers or nothing. So we missed, a, it was only like three minutes in, but we missed a good probably three minutes of the film, which was, was like the starting point where there's a battle going on. And we're like, whoa, what happened? Are we late? But they, they didn't, they started the movie right on time. So that kind of ruined seeing part of the film. Um, but new director, new direction. Like I had just basically no preconceptions because you know what? Maybe they'll go with a different direction in this film. Um, also, that it was it wasn't was it a it wasn't really a hard reboot, but it was more of a soft reboot. Because yeah, it's like a soft reboot, like where it's it's a prequel that can lead into that universe, or if they want, they could scrap everything else and yeah. move on from there. Yeah, it has John Cena. Has new. He wasn't that bad. No, he wasn't. He's okay. not bad. He's okay. Yeah. yeah. So, but seeing John Cena in the preview, oh, I was just yeah, like, you nope. kind of like. I almost told you guys, gonna I'm, not going. <laughs> I'm not going. Is this going to be a serious role, or is this going to be very like his WWE persona? Wait, wait, wait! You're telling me you guys actually saw John Cena? I, I, thought, <laughs> I thought you couldn't see him. <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah. I see what you did there. Uh, yeah, my experience. Um, I remember hearing news of Bumblebee. I think like 2016 or 17 or whatever, and they're like, "Oh yeah." Transformers is trying to do a universe and they're creating a writer's room and my first reaction was like no please don't <laughs> don't do that please because with the success of Marvel and they're doing the cinematic universe right everybody's trying to jump on that that train Sony tried to do it with Amazing Spider-Man that crashed and burned uh, Universal tried to do it with their horror monsters by doing the mummy and they were supposed to have like a Jekyll and Hyde movie and a Bride of Frankenstein movie. Isn't but, that like a horror film now too? Universe thing with yeah. all those, the conjuring and all those other ones. Yeah. There's a conjuring universe that exists right now. God. Uh, the universal one flopped after the mummy didn't do anything at the box office. So I think they scrapped that. That was the Tom thing. Cruise one. That was a yeah. Tom Cruise bring one. him up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that actually failed twice cause they tried to start it off with that vampire one. Like, whatever the Dracula one a couple years ago but wow. either way everybody's trying to do theirs DC I don't know what the, what the hell they're doing but they try to do that with Transformers and my first reaction was please don't we got last night obviously sucked Bumblebee the idea seemed just like they were doing too much but you know after seeing it you know, I, I kind of had middle to low expectations. I found out who the director was. I watched Kubo and the Two Strings the morning before we saw the movie, and I was I was impressed. You know, I thought there were things I didn't like, but I overall I, I saw that he had a definite attention to character, and that had me looking forward to the movie a little better. So I walked out. I walked out pleasantly surprised, and I enjoyed it. I just want to bring up one thing. We were late. We were all late, right? Yeah. And what I now that you have assigned seating and you don't have to wait in line, which I thought would be, I feel like because of that, I always walk into theaters late now. I'm like, oh, we got oh, yeah. time. Before you had to wait That's in line, there's no way you were going to miss the previews. Now I find myself with all this new ways of like, hey, you can get your seat and all that. We got time. I'm always late to movies now, yeah. like every single time. And, yeah, and that's uh, why we expected to go. I'm like, okay, we're going to miss some trailers, whatever. We go in or like... The movie already had started. Yeah, they're they're leaving Cybertron. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't know what happened on yeah, Cybertron. Yeah. It was a good like it was only three minutes, but I felt like we missed a good fifteen minutes of the film. They jumped right into it, man. Yeah, Dude, I was pissed because I was like, "Yo, this is what we wanted to see from movie one." Is like we want to see the Transformers on Cybertron, and they had like they must have had like a sick action sequence going on because you had like Soundwave. <laughs> Uh, Shockwave. They had all the characters. They had all yeah. the characters, characters from the cartoon. And you could tell we just missed like an amazing action set piece. So I can't wait to watch this movie later on and see what that first three, three minutes to five was. minutes is. Yeah, we, we missed it. I can't believe it. All right, let's get into Trash or Treasure. 
Mugga, why don't you tell us your trash or treasure with this film? So I, I really don't have a lot of trash in it. I think the one thing I was kind of looking at, which I watched a video, does it fall along with the timeline? And I haven't seen the last night, so I'm kind of confused. But does it fall along with the timeline of the other Transformer movies? Like how Bumblebee gets to Earth, how all that stuff. I, I don't know what the Hoover no, Dam and the it, Cube, it, it, or is it... They they give it where it may be. I don't know. Like that's I the only. I think it ignores some of the events in the because that's why it doesn't make so that's, sense, that's, right? That's because... why. Because yeah, there's a lot of things like this. It seemed like the movie. This was the first time that the Transformers were actually visiting Earth. But if yeah, you've seen but, other. If you've seen the last well, night, yeah, they, they were, I mean, Megatron existed. gets frozen and gets so by. I, Wiki. I think it, it largely ignores the. the See, events I think that that's my trap. I wish that they would have kind of aligned with that. I guess I, I don't know. I mean, that's I'm, I'm just looking for something because I really did enjoy this movie. I mean, I don't. That's the only thing that I guess I would say is trash. Is, it didn't really fully align with it. Although at the very, very end, it kind of shows the Camaro scanning it. There he is, bam, which is then he's with the original Megatron. Am I right? Not the one that Michael Bay shows. It's that original one in the cartoon, which I thought was really cool. All right. But. So um, regarding that, what you're saying, like we talked about before, this movie is kind of a soft reboot. Right. So they can either go two ways with this. They can use this as a jumping off point to launch a, a new series of Transformers films that follow this continuity. Or, you know, take the safe route. If this movie doesn't work out well, it can be a prequel. Is to this the other what X Men kind of did with, with First Class? Yeah. Yes. I think so, yes. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. after, so. after what, Wolverine, after um, Last Stand, mm-hmm. you know, First Class was kind of like a, hey, it's a prequel. And if it doesn't work, it's, it's, a, it's just a prequel. And that's, right. and that's that. I mean, there were a lot of callbacks. You had the Sector 7 callback. Did, yes. Um, he becomes a Camaro by the end of the film. Yeah. Right. You pay homage to you find out how he lost his voice. To yeah, you actually see Is it. that the correct way that he did lose his voice? Because I read that he also lost it on Cybertron through Megatron one time. I don't know if that's... No. So, so he so, did so, lose it on Earth? So so in, in, the, in the original uh, first Transformers of Michael Bay, like he just didn't have his voice and it was never really explained why he, he didn't talk. Well, I thought Optimus Prime said he he did lose it. He, well, yeah. He, I they, think he, okay. he, he did talk when he were on Cybertron, but they, whatever happened, they didn't ever really explain in detail why he never talked in the, oh, okay. the Transformers movies. Right. Yeah, and then at the end of that movie, Ratchet actually fixes it, and right. he speaks at the end. And then in the second movie, he just doesn't talk anymore right. for whatever reason. I don't know. I don't, I, again, I'm just looking for something to, to dislike about it. Um, I think my treasure, which Jason's not going to agree, I, I really dug all of the 80s, you know, like how they just shove it down your throat. You have the oh Mr. T. Hold on, you like things shoved down your throat? There it is. <laughs> That's going <laughs> to stick around like the physique. Like, Yeah, believe it or not, Mugs, I do not like that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think, I don't no, think anybody likes they, that. They, they do a great job at the very beginning with the soundtrack, you know, like the T-shirts, like all the posters that she has up on her room. Mm-hmm. The Mr. T um, uh, serial. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. I really thought that, I mean, the show takes they place in the 80s. They had <laughs> Alf. They had Alf on there. Then there's the breakfast club scenes and all that. And the TV dinners. TV di- Bumblebee does a little breakfast scene salute at the very end. I thought that was, I, I really enjoyed it. It's, it's when I grew up, you know, and I, they, I thought they did a good job of really showing you it is in the 80s. They do do it a lot, you know, but I, 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 I actually enjoyed seeing that. The soundtrack to me, I think was great. There's so many songs where you're like, I forgot about that song, you Dude, know. And how how much money did they spend to I, license all I those tried songs? to look and I could not find anything. Dude. Maybe it'll come out once this movie gets going, you know. But but yeah, th- th- there was a lot of songs where you just forgot about, and you're like, I think I bought one of them afterwards or something. But yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I really I I thought that was something that really got me to go tip over the fence of why I really enjoyed it. That was I thought that was really 
a great way to just try to reboot it. That's what they're trying to do. So that's that's my treasure of it. But don't you feel like after the first like 10, 15, maybe even 20 minutes of the 80s, because it, it, the music, everything about the music, we're like we understand. But it's, we, but okay, so yeah. what do you do? You just, you, you announce it's in the 80s and you just stop announcing it? I mean, they don't, I mean, you have to just keep, Making it in the eighties, no, but you know? it was like, overkill. The, the, the visuals, the, the sound—it was just like well, okay. Though I guess the one thing, another tra- trash that I do have though, <laughs> she the way they're made out. She can't afford a car. Yeah. They can't afford this. They're a very very poor family, I guess. Yeah. But their house overlooks like the bay. You know, like <laughs> like I'm like, let me get this straight. You guys can't afford like a birthday present that you get her a helmet combined income, mm-hmm. and it's like, but like their house is like amazing. Did you guys like the house? It was very 80s looking, you know. But but I was like, really? That's that's the one other thing I did not like about it. They live overlooking the bay. It's a gorgeous house. It's yeah. 1987. And, you know, your girl only wants car parts for her birthday. She wants car parts for her birthday. She wants she wants five hundred dollars for her 18th birthday. She's not turning 13. She's not turning 16, not turning 17. She's turning 18, which is pretty much like a milestone birthday. Yeah. Like you can't give her five hundred dollars for a car part so she could fix her own car. So she got a helmet with stickers on for her moped. <laughs> and then she got a book on how to how to smile more. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, you look at her, too. And she's like she's a responsible girl. Like she has a job job and all kinds right. of stuff she, she finds a way to get there it's like, you can't give her a couple hundred bucks for some car part i just do not understand either. I mean, the, I don't yeah i don't i don't get it either yeah but 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 anyways no like i i i do like the 80s um i i, I know they they do reference it a lot to make sure you understand it's in the 80s but i i, I really liked it uh jason what's your trashy treasure um, I like a lot of things about the movie. I, I like how they portray Bumblebee, as we were talking about earlier, like in the traditional look we know from the cartoons, from the action figures from back in the 80s. There's one thing I was reading online, and one of the ways they really try to set this movie apart from the other ones is like when you watch the other ones with Shia LaBeouf that were directed by Michael Bay, like there's lots, it's some people feel like it's over sexualized. Um, there's lots of goofiness, like they show like two dogs having sex in one scene of the Transformers. They show, uh, there's lots of annoying characters. There's weed jokes. There's all kinds yeah, of they stuff. They had the testicles hanging off the combiner in part two. Yeah. Oh, it's not bringing and that it's, up. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like, they, like they go above and beyond to like try to have this like, I don't know, like lowbrow humor. And it's just like, they, they totally miss. It doesn't work yeah, at it's, all. It's yeah. not funny at all. And yeah. I feel like in this movie, there is some humor, but it like kind of keeps with the movie. I feel like. With like Bumblebee or I, I thought I talking about the humor, the, the humor with the girl and her neighbor. They I have think just on. in general. Just yeah. in general. Yeah. Yeah, okay. it's not, it's, exactly. It's playful. I think it keeps it. Not to say this movie is completely geared towards children, but I feel like it kind of keeps it, you know, family friendly yeah. with some of this stuff. I like the one where he—that's oh, a kiss—and she goes, "It's on the cheek," and he goes, "Still a kiss," because like, yeah. <laughs> he's trying all just to get her attention. Yeah. I thought, yeah, you're right on, on the. Humor. I think I think what the word you're looking for is tasteless. Yeah, I there think you go. I think you can still you can still have dirty jokes and have it still be funny, like South Park, Family Guy. You can still have it be hilarious and smart and well-meaning but with transformers it's just tasteless it's just like really does bumblebee have to pee on the guy really do we have to show a robot's nuts really does this little miniature robot have to hump megan fox's leg all that stuff is just (laughs) it's just tasteless like really the two robots that you know speak in uh stereotypical black urban slang have to say we don't read and have to have gold teeth and all this other shit like a lot of that shit is like tasteless in the in the michael bay movies 
Yeah, and I think they, they keep it, like I said, more tasteful, mm-hmm. I guess would be a better word for it. Um, it doesn't like kind of leave you saying, oh, why do they have to be in there? I feel like everything is, you know, again, family friendly and it, it makes sense with the movie. So I, I appreciated that. Another thing I, I find as a treasure is the fighting sequences too. So especially at the end, there's a great fight scene with Bumblebee and a couple of Decepticons. I think that in the Michael Bay ones, it, again, there's so many moving parts. It's so I, over the top. I, I totally agree with you. So yeah. just to give you some little backstory, we, we sat like four rows from the front and I going to any other Transformers movie, I would not do that because in a Michael Bay film, there's just so much. It'd be too much. Too much activity going on. I'm playing like tennis, watching everything going on. So they really scale down the the amount of like just activity going on, especially in the, the big climatic fight scene. And they only had the three Transformers. That's all they had, which is like, okay, it's easy to understand what's going on when there's just the three. Yeah. It was easy to follow, you know? Yeah. I mean, they're not in downtown LA or whatever it was on that first one, just blowing You know the reason up. why they had so many Transformers in the other films, right? No. To push the toys. Oh, I thought <laughs> that it was, was the only also reason advertising had... <laughs> for like Chevy and other brands, right? I mean, that's what I yeah. thought too. No, no, know? for all the other Transformers, the reason they had so many more Transformers equals more toys. Yeah, it's a sell. toy machine. <laughs> it's the same problem that happened with Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. Like, why Why does Batman have 50 different gadgets? It's for toys. Yeah, Same thing, yeah. I guess that kind of makes sense, too, because, like, the other Transformers, you see a lot of, you know, all the cars are GM. You know, it's it's Chevy, it's Pontiac, it's... And they're all kind of like, okay, we get it. Like, they're all American-made cars. Mm-hmm. And then you see in the fighting sequences in Chicago, it's like Mountain Dew, mm-hmm. Xbox, and it's just a huge... And this movie is not... I don't so, feel like that so at all. So do you think they were really going for the movie aspect of it and not more of the merchandise? Well, I think that's that's kind of the advice that Michael Bay had for the guy was just... Remember, Michael Bay gave, yeah, him, Michael oh, Bay wow. gave him the advice. He said, um, protect the movie you're trying to make at all costs. You're going to have Hasbro pulling you in one direction. You're going to have the studio pull, right. pulling you in one direction. He said, remember the movie you want to make and, and stick to it and protect it. And wow. I think, and I think, because he had Bay having his back, because Bay was a producer on this film, I think he got offered a little more protection. Like, if that's Bay's director, they're gonna let Travis Knight do what he needs to do because he has protection from higher up. Wow, interesting. Yeah, I only have a couple trashes, so I'll keep it short. I, we already kind of talked about the ET thing and just how similar it was. I don't know. Again, after reading it, kind of thinking about it, I mean, it's it is very similar to ET. I don't know if that's really a trash. It's just like it's interesting. I wish it was a little more unique. Now, kind of putting that together again, I still think it's a great movie. Uh, kind of piggyback off what Muggo was saying as well. It doesn't make sense that they can't get this girl. You know what she wants for her birthday. She's riding a moped. It's just like they seem like they're destitute, but they live in one of the most affluent areas in the in America you could in give San me that, Francisco. You could give me that house right now, and I'd be happy. Like, like that house is gorgeous. Yeah, and it's like they bought the house at one point. Like they live there. They're making it. I mean, like how? how how can they not give her money for her birthday or like, it just seems like it doesn't really, I don't know, mesh up well in my head. And then a small, uh, a small little part too is there, there's one inconsistency that I kind of picked up while watching it. At one point, Pamela Adlon, the uh, Charlie's mom takes Bumblebee out to take the dog to the vet. And, you know, Charlie realizes this, you know, panics and hops on her moped, I think still in her pajamas or something and chases down the mom. Tells him on the pullover, and then Charlie's like, "Hey, I'll, I'll drive the car. I'll drive. Just I just don't want you driving my car. This is my car." And she just leaves her moped. There. Yeah, she's. Like, I know she's that never, too. Yeah. And then she has it at the end of the film. Yeah. How? Okay, you're gonna leave this moped <laughs> and just hop in the car, go to the vet, probably 10, 15 miles away. You just leave. You just leave your yeah. moped there. I mean, yeah, at least yeah. sell it so you can get your car parts if, now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. If you feel like you like your parents don't have any money and this, I mean, that moped should be precious to you. <laughs> Not something you just toss to the side. Hey, mom, let me hop in and drive the car. 
I mean, I could have followed you there and, or something like that. No, 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 no. I'm just going to leave this here. Forget about it. And then the end of the movie, have it again. Well, I mean, she did already have Bumblebee at that point. So I know, but still, it's just like, I, I don't know. If I'm a kid, like, complaining, like, oh, I can't get a couple hundred dollars for my car for my birthday, like, this moped is, I mean, I don't know. I would just find it more precious. I think it would. I would hold it near and dear. He's got a brand new flowery helmet. Like, <laughs> you want to hold on to this moped? Yeah, I, I, I did notice that, too. She just left it there. But, I mean, maybe it was the 80s. This is the 80s where it's time you could, you know, leave. Yeah, you, you could park your bike. Remember, you used to park, ride your, park your bike, bike anywhere. You, you could leave your leave front door unlocked. So yeah, yeah, that was maybe that was, that was it. Day. I guess, <laughs> but I mean, what's better than one form of transportation? Two forms of transportation. Now you have a bike and you have a car. I don't know. I just that kind of childish. No, I mean, trying to go back to that. Wasn't that the coolest thing though? When you're growing up, like you knew where where the squad was at based on whose lawn the bikes were in. Oh yeah, that was oh, yeah. the best shit ever. And that that was the eighties. That was the eighties. Yeah, the nineties. Right? Yeah, yeah, in the nineties too. Nineties too. We we also had good yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah, don't take away from us mugs. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So Bling, what's your trash or treasure for this movie? Uh, so my treasures for this film, I I love how unlike the Michael Bay films, like like I know CGI can ruin a film. Overuse of CGI can ruin a film. They kind of scaled it back. Um, I love how they kept it simple with not as many Transformers, not as many Decepticons. I also love how they kind of scaled down the size of the Transformers because, you know, when you see the Michael Bay films, they're huge. They're like three stories tall. Bumblebee can fit in uh, Charlie's garage. So they, they scaled it down so it was more realistic. I loved how they paid homage to some of the stuff in the Michael Bay films, you know, such as, you know, hey, the, the backstory behind Bumblebee, how he got his name, how before he was just... Uh, a, a serial number and then he got his name after the fact how he lost his voice it also to kind of add some realistic lore uh, the reason we have the internet was because of the Transformers I thought that was kind of cool too <laughs> that was kind of neat I like that um, like I said and I love how they didn't overdo it with a bunch of the Transformers history Transformers lore um, they kept it very simple there's a battle going on in Cybertron um, they're trying to uh, try to keep Optimus Prime's location kind of a secret so they go to Earth they kept the story very simple. They didn't try to overdo it all this Transformers lore, alien history, backstory. I actually did really like the film. I thought it was a really refreshing take on the Transformers uh, live action movies. My trash was there are a few unnecessary scenes that I don't think they had that didn't really move the plot along. Really? I'm curious. Uh, um, well, there's, there's like, for example, there's, when you start the movie, they show that Charlie's throwing away her trophies. And then you find out later on she's a champion diver, and for some reason she doesn't want to dive anymore. Okay, and then I'm figuring out why are they showing these scenes? And at the very end, there's a climactic scene where she has to dive to save Bumblebee. I'm like, oh, <laughs> remember, remember the entire theater? It was the why? entire theater was just like when she got up to the top and you saw the water below. The entire theater goes, oh, <laughs> so. So that that was one scene that was like okay. What I about so what, up to, that. to piggyback off what you're saying? <laughs> and it, they really had a conflict with that one girl that was the blonde, the good looking of yeah. the guy. I were they really a factor towards the end? I can't really no, remember. So like there, there, there was a part where he jumps off of the cliff and she's supposed to dive right. and she doesn't. Yeah, you know? it, it, it's like and I thought that was totally. Why she doesn't it's like I get that. that you had it. Shia LaBeouf was the way he was when he and he had conflict with other people, but yeah. here it's like it was. They're so unnecessary to have the cool group of p people, like, mm -hmm. kind of, like, outcast her. It's like, no, like, I, I don't care about that at all, you It's know? like, it's mean girls, but they don't, there's no payoff to it. At all. Yeah. It's, it's the same setup <laughs> as mean And she never got girls. payback on them? Like, did yeah. she ever get payback on the girl from what I remember? No, I, ne I you never, yeah. no, no, they did, because they went to her house, and Bumblebee, like, smashed her car. 
but, they, they were oh, I get what you, yeah. but then she gives you that look like okay I'm getting it and you're thinking okay this might have some I never saw her again from what I remember it, 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 like I felt that scene, I did the, go the, grab another beer though with, but with I'm the not popular kids and, and the mean girls I don't think it really did anything to move the story along or tie it back in um, so that was my big trash for the most part in the movie a lot of it was grounded in reality which I liked um, near the end, there was a scene where Charlie and her neighbor was able to sneak onto the military base, which I don't know how that happened, like a top secret military base with no other security personnel. Yeah, the only person there was the scientist, <laughs> the scientist and the two robots. And and two that's robots, it. And, yeah, interrogating Bumblebee. So so it, it did really well by being grounded in reality, but then near the end, there was some scenes where it was like, what? She can sneak onto the base? What? They're just going to blow up the garage with C4? Oh, yeah. (laughs) There's a scene. Okay, so Charlie Charlie and her neighbor, they sneak into uh, a Sector 7 base where the two Decepticons are basically like Guantanamo baying Bumblebee. Like they're beating him to death to get info. And they they sneak in. Uh, The two Decepticons leave at one point and they're trying to resuscitate Bumblebee. They close the garage doors so that nobody can get in so they can save his life. John Cena rolls up with the full Sector 7 like militia. He walks up, center frame in the camera, and he says, there's a door in my way. <laughs> and then like four guys come out with C4 and they line the door with C4 and they blow the door open. Um, minutes before... Did Char- they just roll it up? <laughs> yeah. Charlie, Charlie and her neighbor, they closed it. Like you're telling me like you don't have the key to your own to your own garage? Like you have to you have to use C4. So like what do you what do you do? Like you go to In N Out to get a burger and the doors close and you're just like, there's a door in my, in my way. way. And then you have you have your, your crew come up and blow that shit up. Like what how, how where do you how do you park your cars, man? Like you must have a new garage every fucking day. What happens when you lose your keys? Like you're trying to yeah. get home. <laughs> <laughs> he tries to There's a door in my way. <laughs> yeah, but other than that, I like I said, I enjoy the film. I thought it was a very refreshing take on the. On I forgot the- how much I cringe on that diving scene. Like, oh my <laughs> yeah. god, come on, man. <laughs> Kevin, what are your trash or treasures? My trash and treasure uh, with this film. My trash with this movie, uh, just like Bling said, they didn't make the diving aspect of her character as important as it should have been. They just gloss over it, especially considering it has to do with the loss of her father. Uh, The last time she saw her dad, uh, he had a heart attack at one of her diving meets and she didn't even get to kind of console him. I think she might have been like on top of the board or something and she refused to dive for whatever reason they don't explain. But ever since then, like she never dove again. She was like a high school champ or something like that. But they kind of just gloss over it. They mention it. They mention her dad here and there. And she's really broken up about it. But I feel like her diving and her dad really don't play a lot into this movie like it should. I get she's emotionally tied to the original car. You didn't think her dad did? I thought it big big time. No, I think it did in terms of the car that she had. Like... I, 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 and now I, she's kind of angry with life, and yeah, like that—that that all makes sense. But it's just like focusing on the diving, focusing on the dad. Like I think you could have easily told this exact same story, maybe without that, or yeah. don't don't feature it so prominently that there's supposed to be some sort of major arc to it. She does fix her dad's car by the end of the movie, which is cool, and it looks like she just bought a new one because that thing is clean as fuck by the end of the movie. <laughs> right? Yeah, she can't be that good. I mean, she's 18 years old. But yeah, I, I mean, you could you could detail a car, but she ain't got five. Hundred dollars. I don't know, but um, yeah, I think I think uh, they they had the instance where she they even had that challenge with the the whole Mean Girl situation where she's with the dude and she's trying to jump off the cliff. She she bails out. The way to make that payoff work is if at the end she she looks over the edge while she's on the tower. The dam broke or whatever, and Bumblebee is trapped underwater. 
except he really ain't trapped. She looks, she dives in, she goes to Bumblebee. Bumblebee's wide awake, and he just gets out of the water. They get out of the water together. It would have made more sense, and you would have gotten a bigger payoff if the transmitter that uh, the Red Decepticon uh, was using to broadcast to the other Decepticons was underwater, and she had to dive to swim and pull it out. So make the dive meaningful. To make it yeah. mean something. Or Bumblebee's like broken or stuck, and she has to dive underwater to to save him there's there's nothing there's nothing of value to be had from her making that final dive and that's why that doesn't work like there should have been something necessary to the success of their mission to make her dive underwater instead she just dives underwater says what's up and they they climb out i thought that was pretty weak my treasure with this movie seeing cybertron we we cut we did miss the opening sequence. I was say you saw it. I <laughs> know <laughs> 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 briefly. Yeah. yeah, we we missed the opening sequence, but they did go back to Cybertron midway through the movie. Bumblebee's memory comes back, or he has a flashback, or whatever, and they show a fight where it's him and Optimus versus like Starscream, um, Soundwave, mm-hmm. Shockwave. Soundwave opens up his cassette tape, and uh, Ravage comes out and transforms into the the Panther or whatever, mm-hmm. and kind of attacks Optimus and Bumblebee. So I thought that was really cool. Uh, Cliff Jumpers in the movie, mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty sick. R.I.P. Cliff Jumper. Spoilers. You know, I, I really enjoyed that, and I do like the the overall aesthetic that they had with the Transformers. They simplified them. Yes. Yeah. My biggest problem with Transformers two through four, I never saw five. Thank goodness, but. My biggest problem is that you forget who the hell the robots are. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You you have no connection to any robot, even like the good ones, you know, like it just like here you really are rooting for Bumblebee and the other guys are just evil. You know, like they're trying to ruin the world where Bumblebee is. Yeah, I yeah, I agree, too. And just as importantly, you can tell who they are on the screen. Like in the other movies, all the Decepticons are like gray or you don't even get their names. The Autobots, the same thing half the time. Like they they switch up teams so much in the other movies that you don't even know who's on what side. Like I remember watching um, part three and I had no idea which one was an Autobot and which one was a Decepticon <laughs> halfway through the movie. Mm-hmm. Like I knew Ironhide, uh, Ratchet, Bumblebee, Jazz optimus but there were just other people like other than starscream and megatron i don't know who the hell was on the decepticon side maybe maybe shockwave and soundwave but Mm -hmm. there were just millions of robots a lot of whom actually did play big parts in the cartoon and they just kind of gloss over them Mm -hmm. and i don't know who's on what side yeah i think that's that's a appealing part of the way they depicted bumblebee and the other autobots and decepticons in this movie is that you can actually figure out who's who you know who's Who's fighting? You can see them clearly. The action is a little more clear. The parts, it's not so intricate. I mean, Bumblebee's, you know, VW bug, you know, transformation into, you know, Bumblebee. You can see the car parts. It makes him very visible. Yeah, you see the panels. You see, like, the the, the front uh, hood. You see, like, you, see, you know it's a Bumblebee. And it's a little more to scale, like you were talking about, yeah. too. But you know, it'll fit in the garage and stuff. But yeah. it's like, if you're a if you're a bug, you can't transform into something that's 14 stories tall. Yeah. It's it's gonna it's not going to be really big. Yeah. And I think they, they do a better... Job I thought the, the actual isn't he supposed to be around sixteen to seventeen feet tall? That's what I had read one time. Am I wrong well, on that? Well, or he no? could have been, but he's not. Yeah. He's not multiple stories. That's huge. what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. So and I thought he, he they put him in a garage where he's hitting the ceiling or the roof and all that. But I mean, what a roof! Yeah, I mean a little bit about. Well, yeah. you've seen the like the the last night version of Bumblebee. He just looked huge. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought he was the size of like yeah, he was the same Prime. size of like Prime and Prime. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Prime is supposed to be like one of the bigger 
Autobots and you're like on the same size as him. I'm like, okay. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Yeah, so I, I'm 100% behind that. I love that the director actually called that out. You know, we, we need to make it so that these people are identifiable. And they actually gave the robots characters. Like, you know, we only got three robots this whole movie. Technically four if you count the one that Bumblebee killed at the very, very beginning. Okay, so Ashley wrote some stuff about that. So Bumblebee lands on Earth, gets into a conflict with the Sector 7 guys, John Cena's team, mm-hmm. and he gets attacked by a jet fighter Decepticon. And you actually hear Bumblebee's voice during that time. Yeah. Oh yeah, voiced by Dylan O'Brien. Yeah. Dylan O'Brien was in American Assassin and a couple, oh, uh, Maze Runner. He's the star of those movies. Mm-hmm. So this jet fighter Decepticon comes to Earth, tracks Bumblebee down and starts fighting him. And his color scheme is very similar to that of Starscream. Correct. It's like red, white. Uh, Starscream's blue too, but you yeah. know this guy's black. That is not Starscream. That's, so, that's not Starscream. That's yes. that's oh. Blitzwing. Blitzwing yeah. yeah. So his name is Blitzwing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a character from the original G1 series. Um, there's a whole story where the Decepticons and Autobots have to team up to defeat a to defeat a race of aliens called the Quintessens, which I believe are the bad guys in Part Five. Yeah, and uh, Blitzwing is critical in teaming with Rodimus Prime to stop them. Mm-hmm. He even points a gun at Galvatron and tells him, "Hey, stop tripping, man. We got bigger fish to fry." Essentially, yeah. He gets kicked off the Decepticon team after all that, so he's like very instrumental in kind of saving the universe at that point. But in the cartoon, he's supposed to be a purple jet. Um, I don't know why they gave him Starscream's Same color colors, scheme, yeah. but hey, he looks sick though. Yeah, he does, and is he's actually voiced by David Soboloff, who does Death Charge on Beast Wars. Ooh. He um, he was Brawl from the 2007 Transformer video game. Okay, and then uh, he also was the voice of Shockwave for I think it's an animated either feature or series called Transformers Prime. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was on Cartoon Network. I okay, think. there you yeah. go. Yeah, so you also did a voice on that as well. I thought that was kind of cool that they included someone that's done so many different Transformer projects as the voice of Blitzwing. Because I, I, I looked at it not being a huge Transformers like enthusiast, thinking it was Starscream for a second. I thought it was Starscream too. And doing yeah. some research when I, when yeah. I read it was Blitzwing, and then this uh, David Sobolov so actually. So the only did profile they think they they did is yeah the color scheme. I thought it was Starscream looking yeah. at it. Yeah, because my first reaction was like, yeah, I'm just gonna kill Starscream like that. But luckily they didn't. So that's that's pretty much my trash or treasure. Does anybody have anything else they want to get into? Yeah, I thought this is like the littlest thing, but we brought up. I thought you guys were going to talk about it. The little scene where you're in the '80s and all that. Mm-hmm. Does anyone a people's houses or toilet paper which they brought in? That's when that she gets revenge on that one girl. Did you guys? I thought that was like the cool because I went toilet papering when I was a I, kid I with all my friends. I don't think that was. A, I thought oh, it was a nineties thing more than yourself. anything. Yeah. Oh yeah. Never mind. I didn't. I didn't do it. Yeah. Because I, right I did that in the nineties. I thought that was. I thought that was. I thought you guys were going to talk about it. Maybe like know. if you hated that, it wasn't necessary, or whatnot, but or it was a treasure. I thought that was funny. I thought it was a good point. It because I don't see anyone toilet papering anyone's houses anymore. No, or eggs. Yeah. Fucked up if you do now. Yeah. Oh, you do. What's well? I mean, that's is it vandalism. Well, it's yeah. not. I mean, it's vandalism regardless. But I think like we're definitely, you know, in a society now where, like, let's let's just put it this way: you can't let your kids play outside everywhere. You can't leave your bike outside everywhere. Yeah, you know I guess. I, so I thought that was funny. Yeah, yeah. You, I, you I, get caught by. A, I was authority laughing. you might get shot now. So. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Turn your fucking brain on, man. Jesus. Um, <laughs> I'm going to suck you over this bar right now. One of the one of the things I thought that was pretty hilarious is uh, John Cena's in a meeting with the Sector Seven chief, and he's just like, "Why are we doing this? Why why are we trying to trust these robots? Their name is literally Decepticon." <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was pretty hilarious. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, there's um. 
there's a scientist who's obsessed with the Decepticons and he's played by John Ortiz. So the entire movie, I'm like, yo, this dude looks real familiar. Where have I seen this guy? So the scientist in this movie, the one that gets turned into goo or whatever, mm-hmm. he plays Arturo Braga, the bad guy in uh, Fast and Furious and Fast and Furious 6. Yes, yes, yes. I, I saw that too when I was watching. I was like, this guy is so freaking familiar. But, you know, you're totally right. He's Braga. You're totally right. Yeah. Oh, okay. Fucking chameleon. <laughs> All right, so yeah, Muggy, you brought this up. Like uh, John Cena, when Charlie and Bumblebee are walking away at the very end. Well, but he's, he's, before you, I know where you're going with this. Yeah. The the day that he, Bumblebee is by himself at the house, doesn't he watch or just at her house watches a bunch of movies? The Breakfast Club is one of them, right? Yeah. yeah. At the very end, that guy gives that little fist pump on the air. You yeah, know, he's like, <laughs> so John Cena, they're walking away, and he's like, "Hey, soldier." <laughs> And then Bumblebee turns around and John, is, John Cena gives him the military salute and Bumblebee like pauses for a second. And he could and, have done the salute and back. Everybody, everybody in the theater is just like, oh, please, please don't make him do this. And he does the breakfast club salute at the very end. He throws his fists in the air. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I thought that saved it because it, it was really like, hey, mm-hmm. if you do this, everyone's going to walk out like, come on, man, you don't need to do that. But I, I thought it was funny. Um, if he would have saluted, would you have been pissed? Yeah, I, I thought I would have thought that was pretty corny because I, I like let's let's you know talk about how Michael Bay's really huge with with the military, yeah. so a lot of his films feature like military or mercenaries or whatever, and you know that's cool. But I think the inclusion of the military in like a lot of the earlier Transformers films really took away from the actual plot. Yeah, I think we didn't get enough. Like I like the idea of the Earth military teaming up with the Autobots. I always thought that was cool. Like it. It really is reminiscent of G.I. Joe Transformers crossover. Mm-hmm. So I like I liked the military characters they had, like Tyrese and the other dude. I forget his name. Mm-hmm. So I like that they kind of kept that that thread going, but they didn't spend enough time on the Autobot side of it. Like right. those guys are actually soldiers too, and this movie's kinda about them. So um, I'm actually kind of glad they didn't kind of overdo it. I thought I thought they would have overdone it in that scene if they right. had Bumblebee do the salute. Yeah, yeah. It definitely did. Michael, it would have felt way more Michael Bayish. Yeah. It, it, it wouldn't have made no sense. Where would he have picked up on? He's from a whole different planet, mm-hmm. different. Col- where would he picked up the salute at? You know, like yeah. no, he just saw the movie. Oh, this is what you do. You know, he just yeah. put his fist in the air. Yeah. Plus, like, I mean, like, what if what if that means something else on Bumblebee's planet? What if it's just like what if it's just like fuck your mom, man. <laughs> Really? It's like, I just saved you, bro. So, and then, you know, the kiss again where they're out overlooking the bay and he tries to uh, hold her hand. Hold her hand. There you go. Yeah. We're, not, we're not there yet. Yeah. She's just she's like, ooh, ooh, not there yet. Yeah. That was that was another time where I was glad because I was just like, ah, oh, here we go. They're going to kiss overlooking the bay and the yeah. sun is going down. And Lincoln Park's going to come on. Yeah. But then, um, you know, he tries to hold her hand and she's just like, oh, ooh, not there yet. He's like, okay, okay, cool. And I, I thought, thought he was cool too. We didn't give him a lot of credit. That, that, that actor, he, there were some times where you're like, He's still in the little uh, scene right now. Yeah, yeah his character was uh, Memo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he was good. He, 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 credit. Was, he yeah. didn't overdo it as the humor. Just character. enough, just yeah. enough. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'm glad that they gave her like an ally because I'm like, you're like all star varsity diving and you have no friends. Yeah. <laughs> like you got to have some sort of like human relationship somewhere. So I thought right. that was cool. Mm-hmm. So let's get into how much we would pay to see Bumblebee. We're gonna give you our final ticket prices. 
Mugga, why don't you tell us how much you would pay? So before I even do that, I just want to say, before I saw this movie, I thought there's no way I would give this anything greater than a five. Mm-hmm. Zero to five is what I was going in. Again, it totally changed my viewpoint when I did not only saw it, but did research. Mm-hmm. I'm really going to go 15 on this one. I, I, oh, wow. I enjoyed it. I recommend it. It's saving the franchise. It can go off on different ones. And I... I thoroughly enjoy it. I would recommend it. Um, it's not out in theaters yet. By the time people hear it, I think it will be, But uh, or this podcast, but I, I recommend you go see it in theaters. I, I really enjoyed it. $15 is what I'm going to give it. Yep. Jason, tell us how much you would pay to watch Bumblebee. I mean, I wasn't as concerned walking into this movie as Muggs was. You know, I was curious what they were going to do with it. You know, really marketing as just a Bumblebee movie as opposed to a Transformer movie. Uh, I, I do like that the director, Travis Knight, took a lot of Spielberg's direction about making this really about, you know, a kid and her car. And I think that they did a great job of this in this movie as opposed to maybe some of the other Transformer movies we've seen. So I, I think, I mean, I, I like the movie. Yeah, it's a lot of 80s stuff, but I really like the soundtrack. I, I think the soundtrack was awesome. Um, they kept true to the time with everything they were doing in the movie. Uh, it's humorous when it needs to be. The action is readable. Going back to the old Optimus Prime look, the way Bumblebee looks, I think they did a great job. I'm going to give this a 15. All right. Now, Bling, tell us how much you would pay to watch So, so I enjoyed this film. I want to make this very clear. I enjoyed this film. Um, Here and we I, go. I think it's one of <laughs> the better Transformers movies in recent years. Um, I would give this... When I think about this, I'm going to give this $10, okay? I would give it 15 but I still feel like, while it was good, it just didn't have that magic that I got with, like, the first Transformers. Um, what would you have given the first Transformers, just hmm? to base it on? The first Transformers, what would you <sighs> get it? The first Transformers... Is that a 15 or a 20? No, no. That's still kind of... But you're saying... I think, I think what you're getting at is you're over the novelty of it. Correct, oh. yeah. yeah. So, like, like... You've already seen Transformers on screen for over a decade now. Like, you want something to, different. to yeah. spark that so, interest So, I mean, when, when you look at the first Transformers, when I first saw it, yeah, I, I would give it a 15. And over time, you think, okay, no, it's not as good. So, it's it's a height. Like, it's like a tier between a 10 and a 15. So, this one here, it's a solid 10. Um, like I said, I it just I was just hoping for a little more of that, that magic that I got with the first one where I walked down like, wow, this is a great film. Yeah. But I did enjoy it. I still recommend ten dollars for it. So if Megan Fox was in this one, would you have given it a fifteen then? Uh, I'd gone down to a ten. <laughs> she is awful. Huh? What? Have Megan- you seen her in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? I've not seen that one, so but don't. It's not. It's not that bad. Ninja Turtles isn't that bad. Oh, I didn't say that it was that bad. I said she's not that good. Oh, okay. Yeah, she's horrible. I'm telling you, the number three is the only good thing is that, that Victoria's Secret model. I thought she was a better actor and she's hotter. Let's be honest. You guys don't think so? Uh, All right. So my ticket price. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, man, it's tough. Like, um, no, actually, it's not tough. I'm, I'm paying 15 to watch this movie. My expectations were a little higher because I'd kind of been following the news cycle on this movie for a couple of years. So I was very, very wary of where it was going to go at first. And reading that Michael Bay quote about it being like an R-rated Tarantino movie really made me unexcited for Transformers moving forward, especially after Age of Extinction pissed us off. I totally skipped last night. And I never got to see Anthony Hopkins call somebody dude or whatever. <laughs> but reading reading about Travis Knight being involved and then watching Kubo and the Two Strings in the morning before we went to go see it, my expectations were higher. This movie gave me exactly what I wanted from the Transformers franchise. It does a better job of, of what Michael Bay's first Transformers uh, movie did. And it, and it didn't even need all the other bad guys or good guys in it to succeed. 
Travis Knight coming from a background of animation, he really streamlined this whole thing and made a really, really solid movie. So I walked out pleasantly surprised. And the other, the reason I'm giving it a 15 is like, I want more. You oh, know, yeah. Optimus- well, and I heard the depending on the success of this, yeah. showing Optimus Prime, they okay, if this does well, now we can do another Bumblebee, Optimus Prime movie, all that other stuff. Because mm-hmm. you see Optimus Prime on Earth now. How do you get there? What happened before? And Honestly, it might, I, would, I, so, I would like to see a different take. I would like to see like a Decepticon film. And or, they, it might even have that. You never know, you yeah. know? But. Yeah. And then at the end, you know, Bumblebee's walking with Optimus through the, what, the Muir Woods or whatever? Yeah. He's, yeah. he's they're walking together and Optimus kind of points up and then the other Autobots are landing on Earth. Earth. So my, and I, at that moment, I was like, yes, I want more of this. Like, please scrap everything else you've done and use this movie as a starting point. I want to see more of this kind of Transformers movie with the other characters in it now. Um, my only hope is that I hope they bring Charlie back. I hope they bring Memo back because I love the human characters. I hope they bring John Cena back, even, mm-hmm. honestly. Like, it'd be nice to have the good guys on her side and everything. Yeah, he that, represents Sector 7 way better than that other actor did. John I don't Turo? even know. John yeah, John Turo, yeah. I, I, not that I dislike him. He's in a couple other movies like Rounders and all that stuff, yeah. but... I mean, he's this sector, and then he gets stripped to his boxers, and I don't know. It, it, know. it, it like was, it was, yeah, it was a very know, comedic I, role. Where so I, I John thought Cena John Cena, was okay, you're sector seven. I get it now, yeah. yeah. I want more from, from everybody. I love the family, all that. Yo, the stepdad driving. Oh, yeah, that, that was, was cool. a sick-ass <laughs> scene. Um, yeah, so... You know, sorry to go like long-winded, but I'm I'm paying 15 to watch this movie. Sweet. So that gives it a 13.75 for us. Nice, nice, nice. nice. Yeah. The one thing I, I we didn't bring up, I want to. I, I read a lot that people said, "Hey, with the direction you're going, it's a risk to change these movies." But I think the director or the producers, all these guys said, "Look, it. I, I get it's a risk of what we're doing. Bumblebee, only a couple robots, not what we've done." But they said, with how the last night did, it's a risk to not change. You know, they could already see the way it was going, just declining. Mm-hmm. So if we don't change, it's already a risk. So yeah. I, I I admire them for taking that risk and. I think they made the better decision. I, if I had to bet money, I think this is going to do well. And I think we're going to see more movies down the road. I hope so. The yeah. other thing, too, is like um, the studio actually made it a point to say, we don't care what the audience thinks. Because after part two and three, people were just kind of like, you know, there's no character. There's no heart to this. You know, it's just explosions and all that other shit. But the movie was making tons of money overseas and in China specifically, which is why in um, Age of Extinction part four, you know, the last battle takes place in China. They bring in different um, Chinese actors, you know, randomly in the movie um, because they're really trying to cater to that market because that's where all their money was coming from. And the studio was just kind of like, well, who cares if the story's good? You know, who cares if it makes sense? Who cares who's in it? Money like, talks. Just, yeah, huh? let's just make make money. And I'm so glad that worldwide people just decided to opt out of that fifth film because it really made them open their eyes and see that, hey, we got to tell a decent story. And for me, like, I don't understand how you can be a storyteller and not give a fuck if your story's good. I understand you're making tons of money, but it's just like, what do you want to make a, mo- a movie that makes a ton of money but also has a good story? Like, that's that's the reason why Marvel is still around 20 movies Oh, their later. stories are great. Yeah, because... Yeah. Every not not every movie is amazing, but they don't have a single terrible film. Like they tell good story. Like it's all character based. So I don't I don't understand like why other studios can't get it, and I don't know why it took four or five movies for Transformers for Paramount to finally realize. When you're that. making though a billion dollars off of only spending two hundred million, I think that's where you but, can kind of get blinded. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's just like yo, if you got the money to burn. 
you know, burn it on a good a good script. Yeah. 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 So I, I'm I'm glad I'm glad Transformers Five failed and we got this. I'm so oh, glad yeah. we got this. So Bling, you're the only one out of this group that's seen the last night. Is it even worth seeing? Because I, I don't I, I would not watch it no. after I watched that first one no, of Mark Wahlberg. It's not even worth doing. Like, so when I when I, it's like I've seen it twice now because I was like, okay, we you know let, let me the first time I saw it was in theaters and I saw it again probably about like two weeks ago and it's just it is just a like jumbled mess and it, <laughs> and and the things that uh, what I like about Bumblebee too it did not feel like it was long and drawn out no no, no yeah it's, it, it's that's what I loved about it. I mean like, we pacing, stayed the, we stayed that's how we accidentally saw that director's little cut thing at the very end because we thought there'd be like an addition because we wanted we more wanted yeah, more. yeah we, wanted we wanted more, more. yeah so yeah. Yeah, the last night and even Age of Extinction, those movies were just way too long. I think there was like almost two, like and, a half two hour, and a half hours. Hour, yeah. yeah, and it just dragged. I thought Dark of the Moon was too long. <laughs> it, Dude, all, oh, all they did was hey, he, the trailer was so great and it hooked me. And that's why I went to the theaters to go watch it. Yeah. But all they did was go to Chicago and just <laughs> blow it up for a half an hour. Yeah, that's all it was. There was no point of it, you know. Yeah. But, so that's why this is this movie was definitely refreshing. It was definitely a different take. And like, yeah, I, to I'm telling point, you guys, I do want to see more of these type of. Films. Go watch it, you guys. If you like the original. Transformers, go watch this. You oh, would yeah. definitely like this, I think. Yeah. So, uh, if <laughs> Tom Cruise was in it. <laughs> All right, guys. So, you're probably, you're not going to hear this on our next episode. Uh, we kind of recorded some of these out of order, but uh, we're going to introduce you to a new segment. Anybody who's listened to the first couple episodes of $20 Ticket knows that uh, we got a love for. For Tom Cruise. Well, someone loves his physique. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to introduce you to a new segment called If Tom Cruise Was in This Movie, What Character Would He Play? So, Muggs, if Tom Cruise is in this movie, who do you think he should play? This is a no-brainer. I mean, he has to be John Cena's head of Sector 7 military guy. Oh, I mean, yeah. there's no other way. Oh, I don't yeah. see him that playing is... anything else. He can't be the stepdad. He can't be any... He's got to be John Cena's character. He's got to have a role where he's running. Yeah. So, definitely Sector 7. Okay. Yeah. All right. Jay, what about you? Uh, I mean, that's the obvious one, but... Maybe... It could have been the dad. Could have, been could, have, could have been Memo? Did you think it could have been Memo? No, it's a little girl. Like, what <laughs> is wrong with you? 56-year-old man. <laughs> I'm kidding. Of course, John Cena. I think if he was in this, I don't know, probably would have done it better than John Cena. Uh, unless they probably. wanted to do a different take and like, you know, put him in a role that like totally out of his element, you know, made him like the guy that was- The scientist? Charge, like the scientist or the guy that's in, in charge of the junkyard, yeah. you know, something oh, where like, it's like- Tell like me his, you uh, didn't tear up when that guy said, no, you can have yeah, that on your birthday. Birth. Birth. We didn't talk about yeah. that. No. I was like, oh, there no. it is, But man. remember when like, when she took it away, she's like, uh, good luck or whatever. Like it's not going to work or yeah. she's going to die or some shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you're saying like maybe the scientist guy bling? Yeah. Okay. Uh, what if he was Bumblebee? What if like- he came from like a race of Tom Cruises that like landed on Earth, and he just came as Tom Cruise. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. If, if, if Bumblebee's voice was Tom Cruise, I think I would have lost my shit. I'd be like, "Whoa!" I mean, Bumblebee does run a lot in this movie. He, he does. does. He does the he most does. runs. It's like he'd have to. Tom Cruise would have to be Bumblebee in this movie. He runs a lot. Maybe I don't know. At least Bumblebee's voice. Like, if maybe Bumblebee didn't lose his voice. Yeah. If you, Tom, you know, no. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm done talking. Okay. All right. Well, um, yeah. And uh, we're about to sign off. So in the words of Tom Cruise. Fuck you, Sally. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of $20 Ticket. Follow us on Instagram at $20 Ticket and leave your ticket price about the movies we've reviewed. If you have any comments or suggestions, send them to $20ticket at gmail.com. That's two zero, the numbers, $20ticket at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts, and thank you for listening.